The following episode can be viewed on the YouTube channel Bernie or Bust Television. All right, so I guess I'm ready. So whatever you want to uh, cover, we will we can cover. All right, excellent. So let me just start with our last conversation on Facebook, and you said. Once we get to the point where it seems Bernie will have the delegate lead going into the convention, I will absolutely be on the Bernie or bus page. Because at that point, it can only be taken from us at the convention by a superdelegate coup. Right now, my concern is getting us to the point where we have that lead secured. And I'm not sure that Bernie or bust is the best persuasion strategy at this moment. So my, my question is, if you agree that we need to persuade older, white, affluent, educated, Elizabeth, um, Elizabeth, Mayor Pete type of voters. Do we need to persuade those voters? I mean, uh, hopefully we don't, right? But uh, I think in a Democratic primary, you know, you have to understand, you know, with, uh, you know, closed primaries, right, the, the, the parameters within which this debate happens, uh, are manipulated, and they're manipulated at an institutional level, right? I mean, it is a democratic primary, right? And so, you know, I don't want to leave any votes on the table. Now, am I counting on those people coming through for us in big numbers? See, I use the word those people all the time. I know you took issue with that. That's just one of my phrases. Uh, that, that, that's, that's, that's the unwoke uh, side of me, using, that, using <laughs> I those people. In college, I couldn't teach in college without being made aware <laughs> of, of how that that sounds to to marginalize people okay those well, anyway. people. but anyway so, um, <laughs> no but so like yeah i mean i think it's an unfortunate reality that uh we are sort of playing in this arena but um that those are that's one of the challenges of sort of running an insurgent campaign in a party that we really don't belong in right i mean we really shouldn't be Democrats. Uh, I'm not a Democrat. Uh, I'm an independent. I'm switching to uh, the Democratic Party um, this year because I live in New York and, and I have to. Um, and, you know, whether Bernie wins a nomination, wins a presidency or not, I'm going to switch back out of it after I vote for him. Um, you know, well, this is a party I don't belong to. And so, you know, it's unfortunate that uh, we have to sort of try and make some inroads uh, with, again, these people. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it, they're not the kind of people uh, who I want to necessarily go out of my way to alienate um, in that direct way, right, by threatening to blow the whole thing up if they don't bend to our will. I, that seems to me like at the moment, although, I, you know, we could talk more about what's going on in Iowa now um in in a moment if you want but uh you know i i'm not sure that a leverage strategy uh even works on these people because a lot of these people um maybe economically better off you know they they may they may prefer trump to 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 sanders that i'm glad you said that if you say that up front then your argument has more power if you if you believe the polling that 70% of them roughly absolutely under no circumstances want Donald Trump, then, then you have to come at it a different way. And, and that it really hinges on that. That's the crux is whether you think they would actually not care if Donald Trump got elected. And that's, that's where it falls down. But it's leverage only works if you have a bogeyman that they really, really don't want. Sure. And, and these, you know, um, these these affluent, you know, white um, liberals are not a monolith. I mean, there are some whose sensibilities are such that they really do want to be Trump. There are some who uh, whose sort of, you know, position in society is such that they would sit out a Trump versus Sanders general. Right. Um, there are some who might go in the voting booth and pull the lever for Trump. I mean, we don't know. Um, but there are, you know, there I, are some. Oh, of course there are. Uh, there Absolutely. are. So, but do you believe the polling that 70% roughly of Democrat-leaning voters, which is how the sampling seems to work most of the time, really prioritize getting rid of Trump over any other issue? 
I mean, they don't even care. That's not even an issue. So it's more important to them than health care. It's more important to them than the economy, to the Green New Deal, any issue at all. The 70 percent is kind of it's kind of held steady over the months. It's it's under 70. It's like 60 something. And it's held steady that that's that their big thing, it, you know, for people who take polls, which is the same white affluent, the people who vote in primaries are, are not the same people who vote in, in general elections. It's about half as many people who vote in primaries and they skew sharply to higher levels of affluence and, and um, education and being white. So, so if you believe that, then, then, then you're not right. Then your argument doesn't hold. Why? Why not? Because if you say that they they could just then if we alienate them, what are they going to do? My guess is if we alienate them, only the moguls, the, the people like um, Bill Maher or somebody somebody who's at the top, somebody who makes a million dollars a year or or somebody higher. They they identify with the pundits. The pundits absolutely. It's it's obvious to me that the pundits would rather have Trump than Bernie, and the and the oligarchs would rather have Trump than Bernie. But President Obama would rather have Trump than Bernie, and um, Hillary Clinton and John Cowan of Third Way and David Brock and the oh, and well, absolutely those talent agents. Yes. All those people would rather. So so at the very top of the the. So, comfortable suburbanites, the very top of the well-educated affluent wine track, that's that's crystal balls expression, the wine sure. track voters, at the top of that heap, I, I agree with you. I'd say that they would rather not have Bernie. They're, they're almost never Sanders. And so well, if you I, alienate- I don't them, think, sorry, I, 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 I'm sorry, go ahead. They're already alienated. So that 70% of, of regular good faith, perhaps, I, I think that's the word you used. You used something in your in your last podcast that sounded like well-meaning, I think, or they want to think well of themselves, I think is how you put it. And so those those people, you know, if we've got a category that we're kind of talking about together, would, I mean, they would take a certain amount of alienation without getting so pissed that they would... Um, but certainly they wouldn't vote directly for Donald Trump and they would probably vote blue. A, a lot of them. I'd say it's a it's a sliver at the top economically who would not vote blue no matter who if Bernie were to receive. Even if we Bernie bros and Bernie sisters are insufferable, awful, you know, that we just piss them off every day and they just wish we would all go away. Even then, I think they're still going to be hard pressed not to vote for Bernie if it's Bernie versus Trump. Okay, well, I, I'm glad you put Bill Maher in that category because Bill Maher, as far as I'm concerned, is unwatchable at this point, right? I mean, I, I cannot stand to watch that show. That show is nails on a chalkboard. Yeah. However, I and this kind of goes to some of the nuances and maybe some of the very sort of minor differences in where we're coming from. I don't think he'd rather Trump win than Sanders. I think... Bill Maher would support Bernie Sanders enthusiastically in a general, right? Yeah. And so, but you have to also one of the things to know about these, you know, wine track folks right. is that they really value being right. It is very important to them that in their mind they are right. It's almost more important that they're right than that they win. I don't know if you listen to the podcast we just put out this morning, but it's, it, you know, when you hear a Pete Buttigieg voter or a Liz Warren voter talk about how they're so excited to watch Elizabeth Warren or Pete Buttigieg get on a debate stage with Donald Trump and just cook his goose on that stage. That's what that's what's motivating that. It's like they like they, they want to feel and they crave the sensation that comes with proving intellectual superiority over others. Right. And so a lot of these people, that is clear that is either consciously or subconsciously more important than winning. And so if you piss off Bill Maher, if you come to Bill Maher and say, listen, if you don't start supporting Bernie Sanders, uh, we are going to sabotage a general election race. What he's going to do is he's going to call us impotent little children. And I don't agree with him, but he has he has part of him. Right. And there's a and you know, Sarah Silverman did it at the convention yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, stage four years ago. You know, th there's a part of these people that just won't budge from the idea that they're 
right, right? They, they, they hold on to this righteousness of theirs as if it actually means something materially, when of course it doesn't, right? It's just in their head. Um, and so that's why I'm not sure that a leverage strategy works unless we establish that, listen, we are on track to win this thing. And if you, I don't know, how are you on cursing on your show? I love cursing on my show. Okay, good. If you fuck us, we're going to fuck you back. That, I think, is entirely uh, a good strategy. And you, and so I don't know if-, if It's already being done. We're already getting fucked. Look at well, Iowa. Well, that's what I was just going to say. Well, if you want to talk about- time. It's been time ever since the, the, I don't know if you follow my Medium articles, but I, I printed or I uh, published an expose that showed how um, the Hollywood talent agency execs, Michael Kibes, Darnell Strom, are um, their, their execs and former execs for Creative Artists Agency, the biggest agency. And there's money there behind um, Kamala, behind Corey, be, and they represent Joe Biden and behind Elizabeth Warren. They paid Elizabeth Warren. And um, Kyle Kalinske said on his show that, that Elizabeth made a deal with Hillary the first time to stay out and then made a deal with her again to come in to, to neutralize Bernie. The, the, the powers, this is coming out all over the place now. The powers are losing their shit. So they, they want anybody but Bernie and and Elizabeth clearly, and a lot of people are saying this, Elizabeth clearly is in the race to stop Bernie. That's that's the reason she's there. We are already getting fucked. So if you make the case that it hasn't just started now, the voter, the voter rolls will be purged again, the ballot machines will be hacked again, everything that happened last time is already going to be happening again this time and apps well, that are paid for by pete Buttigieg and you know on and on it's already happening so if you're not over the line yet i don't know what else you're waiting for okay well i'm gonna make you happy now all right, all right. Um, because because well first of all let me just say there, there is a there is a difference between hillary clinton whispering in warren's ear and saying hey why don't you get in the race to siphon off some of the left vote from Bernie Sanders and funding an, a vote counting app or cooking numbers, right? I mean, those are on two different levels of fuckery, right? Those are not quite the same thing. And so to, to the point, you know, I mean, you, you could say that, look, the Democratic Party, for a million reasons that you and I have both discussed that nausea, and we don't have to bore the audience with that now, they don't want Bernie, right? And so they're good. I mean, Pete Buttigieg was at a Stop Sanders type meeting in New York a few years back, right? Yes. And it, it, with, uh, I know uh, Pelosi was there. I think Schumer was there. And who knows? The, the, what they could have said to him, listen, we know you're the mayor of South Bend. We know, you know, black people are probably not going to support you. But what you can do is raise a ton of corporate money from our bundlers and you could and you could squash Bernie's momentum in the early states in Iowa and New Hampshire. We can fund you those two states. And if you can kneecap him there, then we'll pat you on the head for the good boy that you are. And uh, maybe you'll be DNC chair somewhere down the road or we'll fund a Senate run. I mean, we don't know. Right. This is all speculation. But what's not speculation is that he was part of this effort yes. uh, to stop Bernie. And and now cut to Iowa, where this app that he is entangled with, uh, yes. this vote counting app, right, uh, malfunctions on the night of the race. Uh, then they say, we don't have results for, you know, however long. They put out partial results that show him, or let me stop, let me Skip, I, I passed over something. He declares victory that night with 0% right. of the vote counted. The next day, the Iowa State Democratic Party releases a cherry-picked portion of the vote that reinforces his claim to victory. He's been on a great media run these last two days. Bernie got none of those headlines that his surge is, you know, you know, keeps going and that, you know, he's one step away. He's on the doorstep of, you know, inevitability with a win in New Hampshire. Right. So who knows? This could have been part of a plan. I will say this, though, and I said this on the podcast that I recorded this morning. Maybe you haven't listened to it, um, that, yes, what has happened here in Iowa is over the line, in my opinion. Um, and so, you know, I absolutely at this point. 
will not support any Democratic nominee that's not Bernie. Um, I know that's not quite good enough for you. <laughs> I know you guys have very uh, strict standards for what Bernie or Bust is. And, and, and by the way, I just want to clear up one thing, because I know you, you took me to task somewhat in your one of your previous episodes for suggesting that Bernie or Busters are sort of a desperate lot that are, that are acting out of desperation. And I did earlier in that episode kind of go as far out of my way as I thought I could to make that distinction. That when I was saying Bernie or Bust there, I meant in a context with a sort of casual, you know, Democrat who doesn't really know what your movement is all about. I actually explicitly okay. said that you guys are not functioning out of desperation. Okay. You guys have a specific electoral strategy that's based on what you consider an ethical uh, point of view. Okay, so so to clarify that a little bit, you were right. I, I didn't want to take you to task. You were right that the Bernie or Bust uh, movement comes out of real need for change. Like people, you, you mentioned people who can't afford their insulin. That's one of the best ways to, to describe the desperation. So you're right about that. But then there are other people, like college professors, or um, there are leftists, true leftists, who are educated. And they're also, with, you know, in, in, um, in spirit, they're with the Bernie or Bus people because they know that it's rigged, and they know that that it's a um, it's too, a duopoly. We've got two parties that are functioning as one party, so the oligarchy is winning. So you're right that the that the Bernie or Bus crowd has a real need for change, and then other people like you, other people on on the left who are pundits who have a voice that can be heard, as, or Jimmy Dore, or um, who uh, uh, David Dole. Or Kyle Kalinske, they they sometimes speak out directly against Bernie or Bust. You know Bill Maher does, and oh yeah, and, of course. You know, so so they're saying, well, we we see the reason, we know it's rigged, but we 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 still won't say that that people should um, say that they're Bernie and Bust in solidarity. The leftists, true leftists, are they're not just labor rank and file. They're not just um, blue-collar, grubby workers. There are true leftists in in the um, educational, in the academic world too. And what they are su supposedly, they're not just well-meaning. They are solid. They're in solidarity with workers. It is. It's a, a coalition of of uh, grubby people and not grubby people who get it. Woke, maybe. You know, we get it. We understand that what we really need to do is be organized the way Bernie talks about, being organizer in chief. We need not just truck drivers, we all need to deny our labor. We all need to pile into the streets with signs. We all need to wave our fists in the air and say enough is enough. And if you're willing to do that, and you are seemingly, you're willing, You, I think you would be fine with protesting out in the streets and probably you have already. So if, if that's, if you're that pugilistic, why not say, look, we're not getting fucked again. You you already cheated Bernie once and you're on track to do it again. If you're willing to pick it, why not and, and go out on strike? I've been on a labor strike. Why not then say Bernie is it? And 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 then to, to clarify what you said about our strict rules, Victor is strict Victor is stricter than, than <laughs> you know, I, I think um my my mantra is no corporate sock puppets no matter who. So if right. it's somebody else who's not a corporate sock puppet, otherwise, you know, staying home is fine with me if it's a corporate sock puppet and there's no way. I don't I don't care about protest votes. I don't care about or write-in votes that don't count. I some people get their tail in a in a knot over that. But what I would say is that do not under any circumstances vote for a corporatist and say so up front. I will never ever ever vote for a corporate candidate, a neoliberal, stealthy, cloaked or otherwise, no matter who. And then that's the answer to, to vote blue no matter who. It's sort of like party unity my ass. Right. It's like saying, you know, it doesn't matter what you say, it doesn't matter who you put in front of me. And a lot of people think Bernie or Busters are petulant. They, they, they just won't be reasoned with. We just, no, you know, you know it, it's not like that. It's like, you know, if you say vote blue matter, no matter who, we say no 
we're not. And, and that isn't petulant and that isn't privileged either. And I think you've covered that. I think you've explained that very well. It isn't, you, you did on the podcast. And I didn't see this morning's because I've been working since six this morning, but, but, uh, you know, we don't think that, that, um, it's, it's like a protest or anything, or it's, it's being petulant or being the, the children versus the grownups in the room. We think it's a reasonable argument to say the opposite of vote blue no matter who, which is no corporate sock puppets no matter who. So I don't think, I don't see why that pisses people off more than to, they bring it in on purpose, the Bernie bros narrative. They've been using that. Hillary's been dropping that like crazy. We don't need that in the in the dialogue. All we have to say is, it's, we're just as reasonable as you are. When, when you say vote blue no matter who, we're just saying the opposite in just as reasonable and grown up a voice as you're using. And so if you're if you're pissed off and you're gonna vote directly for Trump, fine, we're just as pissed off and we may do the same. We're, we'll be just as pugilistic as you are. So if you're never Bernie, and we're never Trump. And if you screw us, then we'll, just the way you said it, we'll, we'll screw you back. Yeah, um, so I make some similar points in, in, in the recording that, that Russell and I did uh, this, this morning. Um, and one of the points that, that, that I make in, in that recording is that, you know, um, it, it goes back to the privilege of, uh, you know, the, the wine track crowd that, you know, they can just take solace in feeling that they're right, regardless of what consequences, right, uh, that actually has in, in the real world, right? That's why they were able to, I mean, j- just, just think of this. They did everything their way four years ago. They ran the election exactly they wanted. They cleared the field for HRC to run, right? I mean, they they they, they cleared the field so that no other Democrat mounted a serious challenge. Bernie gets in. By the time he figures out he's got a chance, he really doesn't have a chance anymore because he was just kind of running and gunning the whole thing. They make sure that they sort of block his movement at 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 the gates. And they ran the whole thing their way, and they lost to Donald Trump. And, and the, the fact that they still can run with the petulant Bernie bro narrative just shows how, you know, just impervious they are uh, to reality and to the consequences, uh, to the actual, like, material consequences of the way they see politics. I mean, the way they see politics is that, yeah, whatever you say, about Pete Buttigieg, whatever you say about Liz Warren or Joe Biden or any of these other candidates, you can criticize them for 10 hours straight, but they are in their mind though, and this because of their privilege, they are still a hundred times better than Donald Trump. And therefore everyone has a moral responsibility to vote for them. Do you, they see it. Do you have a moral responsibility to tell them the truth about the swing voters in Michigan, Wisconsin and Pennsylvania, who, according to the current polling, are just as poised and ready to vote double apple, double bite at the apple, vote vote directly for Donald Trump. Again, are you poised and ready to tell the, the wine track voters because they don't know? And nobody's well, not only am I not and, only am I ready I, to do that, I, I do do that. We, I do we, that are we withholding the truth from them? Are we committing the sin of omission because we're we're afraid of pissing them off? No, no, no. Or, I'm not. I don't withhold that. Shouldn't they know this? They should, and I, I do tell them that. I, I don't withhold that truth from them. But once again, uh, telling them that truth, right? That there are people in the Rust Belt whose lives have been ruined by NAFTA and globalization and technology and all this stuff. Telling them that there are those people out there who are in, like I said in the podcast that that you uh, reviewed, they're in a Bernie or Bust situation. Right. But that's different from saying to them that I will deliberately sabotage your candidate if you nominate that candidate. And OK, I, let's you know, not say that then. Just say just get out the word, because Kyle Kalinske isn't even talking about the Bernie or Trump voters in swing states. David Dole isn't talking about it. We tweet them nonstop. We say, why are you talking about this? Why are you talking about this? We have that megaphone thing. Warning, warning. We feel like we're Paul Revere. One if I land, two if I see. The British are coming. The British are coming. What are we going to do? We got to get this figured out. Everybody needs to hear this. 
Nobody's nobody's saying it. And and so even if you don't want to be pugilistic and piss people off with Bernie or Buzz because we should know better and the grown-ups, like you say, that's a condescending kind of an elitism where they want to be right and they have a white paper for that and they have all the answers and a plan. But, okay. And they, so, have, and they have every major... Sorry. They have every major media institution reinforcing their position on that. In other words, CNN tells them that they're right and that the Bernie bros are wrong and that it's our fault if we don't support, you know, a corporatist Democrat in a general and and that it's our fault. Like basically everything that, 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 that Trump does is our fault because we didn't vote for Hillary. Right. And that narrative gets reinforced over and over and over again throughout the corporate media. And uh, don't forget, you know, these wine track people can all afford cable. I mean, it's CNN, it's MSNBC, it's Washington Post, it's New York Times, right? What about the ones who watch Kyle Kalinske? What about the ones who watch Crystal Ball and Sagar and Jetty? What about the people who watch Jimmy Dore? What about the people who watch Tim Black? Why, why can't those outlets tell the, the wine? There are wine track voters watching those guys, some, somewhat. They're not all grubby. So why not say on those shows, hey, the, the swing voters in the three states that gave it to Trump last time are ready to do the same thing again if you don't give them Bernie. You, you all should know about this. Why not say it? I, I think they should. And But, you know, Jimmy Dore is, is an interesting example because Jimmy Dore had his own show, you know, throughout. Um, I, I don't know when it started, but... TYT really took off during that 2016 primary because they were in for Bernie and Jimmy Dore was on the panel all the time. And he had his own show at that time. But his show took off after Hillary was nominated. The Young Turks decided they had to back Hillary. Jimmy Dore decided he didn't want to do that. He stuck with the Young Turks, but his own show, right, that offshoot show took off. Yeah. In the summer of 2016, because all the people who were kind of, frankly, really uh, upset with the Young Turks, and I, I sent an email to the Young Turks on the night of the New York primary, which is where I live, and they gave a great broadcast. They did a great show that night because that was really the nail in Bernie's coffin. I mean, he had to win New York if he was going to get any momentum going down the stretch. And I said, look, I was really moved by this broadcast that you did, but I have to tell you. Um, it's going to be hard for me to watch this show again if you guys back Hillary in the general. And they did. And I really didn't watch them for the rest of that cycle. Jimmy Dore was like, you know, my online, uh, he was like my therapist for for that cycle. (laughs) You know what I mean? I mean, that's where you you would go if you were, you know, like me, and maybe you're nodding your head. I don't know if you felt the same way, but like, that was the couch you would go sit on and you would hear someone, somebody else, someone out there is thinking what I'm thinking and is able to, you know, channel it in this very compelling, emotional sort of, you know, theatrical way. Um, so, you know, I think, you know, he is probably like, I don't think many wine track people watch him. I think, you know, Kyle and, you know, some of these other guys uh, do have that sort of audience. But, you know, I, I do think in a sense what they're trying to do, and and this is, you know, I, I sympathize with this somewhat because there are, you know, like you don't want to um, be in a situation where, you know, you you are incapable of expressing solidarity with immigrants who are being abused at the border because, you know, you didn't because you instructed everybody to sabotage the eventual Democratic nominee. I talked to Nick Brana for the Movement for a People's Party. You're helping um, in the long run. You're helping the immigrants. You're helping everybody who's poor. You're helping women. You're helping LGBTQ community. You're helping everybody by sabotaging it because otherwise it's just the lesser evil trap that we've been doing. And and this has been going on since before both of us were born. Yeah, I, I don't know quite that I agree with that. Um, and one of the reasons for this is because and and this is a you know this is this is going to drive you crazy. But I can back it up. What's that? I can back it up. There's been a hundred years of DNC rigging the process to keep out insurgent populists. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. I can back it up. All right. So let me let me just back up and make one point that I was getting at earlier. I interviewed Nick Nick Brana twice from the movement for a uh, movement for a People's Party. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, I asked him last time I interviewed him. I said, you know, 
So you guys obviously want to form this alternative power structure to the Democratic Party. I think that's a great idea. I think it's better than a great idea. I think it's a necessary idea. And I asked him, I said, so what is your stance on this 2020 race, assuming Bernie doesn't make it? And Nick is sort of of the opinion that he can't. He's of the opinion that the Democratic, you know, hierarchy simply will not stand for it. They will not allow it to happen. And, um, you know, Nick is in a great position to make that judgment. I mean, Nick worked for Terry McAuliffe. He worked for John Kerry. He worked for Barack Obama. Uh, he was in charge of getting superdelegates to back Bernie Sanders in 2016. I mean, this is a guy who knows what he's talking about when he talks about what the Democratic uh, power structure will and will not stand for. No, he, so doesn't. Said, he doesn't. No, I, I disagree. I think that if you are a union guy, you say... We will go out on strike until you crack. And it doesn't matter what we ask for, as long as we okay. all agree. And I think Bernie or Bust is the answer to somebody that knows so much about what people are capable of getting if they organize. I, I okay. always say, no, we can, break your, we can break you eventually. All right. But let me, let me just I make this second. I think we can break the DNC. No, look, I, I'm I'm all on board with that. All right, and maybe I, I shouldn't have phrased that exactly that way because I don't agree that Bernie can't win. Um, but you know, I do agree they're going to do everything they can to stop him. But the second part of my what I was asking him is what do you, like? Okay, so you're forming this alternative party. If there are members of this movement for a People's Party that feel whether they're in a swing state, you obviously do live in a swing state. Um, that they, they feel like they have to vote for whoever the Democratic nominee is, because they just can't allow Trump to put at least one, maybe two, possibly three more justices on the court, which could sabotage all kinds of uh, legislation for decades, right? Obama now, didn't do any better. Okay, but, well. Didn't do better. Biden wouldn't do any better. I think Biden's picks will be better than Trump's in, in that sense. A little bit. He can't get he can't get a real leftist on there. I've been no, in he can't get a real leftist on there, but 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 he can put someone on there who's not going to uh, you know sort of undermine any health care legislation that comes down. I mean, you have to understand like a seven two majority on that court means the judiciary has veto power over basically anything we pass for you decades run to into come. The trap. The lesser evilism trap has captured you, because no, no, no. If, if you I'm believe, trying to make this point. Is, you got to believe that anything is possible, and if you do, then you believe that the that the rigging can be unrigged and the hijacking can be but even better than FDR did, because FDR was yes. rich assholes. They came, and I got this from Professor Richard Wolf. The rich assholes and and um, FDR sat down and had a little discussion, and he said, "Okay, you can keep your." Half your money, you can keep, you can keep your power, and but we got to have some money to fix shit around here. So they fixed it, and then they came roaring back with a vengeance. We've got to take those motherfuckers out of power. We've got to take yes. them clear out, and nobody you're gonna vote for because we want a few good SCOTUS picks is gonna do it. Just, I agree with you 100. percent I I agree I agree with you. But what what I, I've, I've been trying to make this point for like seven minutes now. I'm asking, what do you tell people who feel that way, who feel like they have to do it? Are they welcome in the People's Party or not? And he said, look, yeah, they are. We're not going to take a position on that. We're not going to tell people that you're not welcome in our organization if you feel like you have to vote for a Democrat this time. Uh, just like we're not going to tell you you're not welcome if you are a Bernie or Buster. Like, you don't want to fracture your movement that way. And so one of the risks of, you know, like I said, being too Bernie or Bust too soon is <laughs> is that you can, yeah, I mean, you could run into a situation where you alienate uh, certain uh, people whose support, quite frankly, we're going to need. I mean, we have... You know, we have some some great people in Congress right now. I mean, you know, you look at AOC, Rashida Tlaib, right? Uh, Pramila Jaipal, <clears throat> excuse me, just came out for Bernie. Omar, right? Um, you know, they're going to support the Democratic nominee if it's not Bernie, right? They are not. What do you really think? Do you really think that the wine voters, the typical ones, the ones who live in neighborhoods around us, do you think? that they are really going to get so pissed off that they're going to vote directly for Trump or stay home if we say 
Look, because what better time than now? You say, don't, wait. Don't vote against us in the primary, man. That's the point. Don't deploy Bernie or Buck too <laughs> soon. You got to win the primary. Do it soon because the primaries have already started. We can't wait until the general because then all we can do is give them Trump again. That's not the goal. The goal is to tell them soon enough that they see we're serious and then they say, oh, they already did it once. They, they blame us. Whether we actually did it is another thing. But but right. they could say it in their minds. They could say, look, these these loose cannons, they already gave us Trump once. What if what if they're right? What if those swing voters, those Bernie or Trump swing voters are numerous enough to, to make it happen? Maybe we we just have to say we can't have Biden. We can't have Warren. We can't have Mayor Pete. We can't have Amy Klobuchar, for Christ's sake. We can't have Bloomberg. We got to have Bernie because they're forcing us and we believe they're not bluffing. And okay, they get pissed, they get alienated, they hate us for it. Okay, but goddammit, we gotta we gotta have uh, this done now. We can't wait because if we wait already, three Super Tuesday will be over, and you'll be saying, okay, now we should tell them that we're burning your bust. The whole point of the leverage is to get it to happen before the primaries, so they of believe course. us before the primaries. Of course. But like I said, it, it, it's different to say that there are disaffected voters in the Rust Belt who are burning your bus. That's a different thing from, and I'm you know, saying this a second time now, from saying that we are going to sabotage your candidate. Right? I mean, it's different. Saying there is a political reality that exists in yeah, which like certain voters are going to either vote for Bernie in a general uh, or if Bernie's not an option, they're either going to stay home or vote Trump. That's a totally valid point. I've tried so to make that point as often as I can. Who's What's the grown-up then? Who's the grown-up then? If no, they I say, agree with you. Hey, you warned us. You got the word out. We knew that you were going to give us Trump again if we didn't pick Bernie. But we just banged on our high chairs. No, no, no. We're just not going to do it. We're going to vote Biden. I don't care what you I, say. What I hear what you're saying, man, but the same thing again and they knew better if we tell them and if jimmy right. Dore tells them. and now now the the young turks you you mentioned the young turks i was hold on one second let me let me just answer that for one second I knew what he did but he did it and i think that he's because he's getting 20 million dollars from um jeffrey katzenberg and and disney that the young turks are funded by the the same people that they're funded by the DNC machinery, the Young Turks. Jimmy Dore will never say that on his show. Now, Jimmy Dore is not funded by the DNC, but but he won't call out Jenk. And and this is why. This is what I suspect. This is you know I've I've presented this to David Dole. I've presented this to um, to Kyle Kalinsky. They don't say a thing. They don't deny that they're being funded by anybody. But they're being funded by somebody. They've got a lot sweeter setup than we do. But. You know, what, what I'm trying to say is what motivation could, other than just wanting to be a polite person, what motivation could there be for not telling the truth that, that they're going to get Trump again? Elizabeth, you, you believe this, I know. Elizabeth Warren can't possibly win. No way. No. Pete Buttigieg can't possibly win, not in the southern states especially. No. So Biden, in swing states, is going to get crushed and I've I've heard some of the people say that that I've been talking about. They know, they absolutely know that well, Joe I've Biden can't win. We all know Joe Biden can't win, but we are afraid or something or somebody's paying us off, not to tell the truth. Only Bernie can beat Trump. Okay, I think that this is maybe a messaging problem on your guys' end here, because <laughs> making the electability argument against Joe Biden, Pete Buttigieg, and and, and Warren uh, is something that I think, like, you know, guys like Kyle and David uh, and Jimmy Dore uh, do quite often. I mean, we, we hear them do that quite often. Yes. I, yes. Right. But, but, they, they, but they are not militantly Bernie or bust in the sense that, like, look, I interviewed Victor in July. Now, you say Victor is stricter. Victor comes out and says, yes, we will sabotage the Democratic nominee in a general election, not we'll stay home and, and not vote for them, not we will write in somebody you know, on November 3rd when we go vote, but we will actively undermine the Democratic nominee with the explicit intention of reelecting Donald Trump. That's what he- ah, Yeah, be careful with that, because that's not, that's not quite right. But well, you that's, say that's what he told me. 
He you said it was in the episode. That's exactly what he told me. Okay. All right. So so let let that stand. We'll let that stand. The way you characterized it, I'll let that stand. But what I would what say you is characterize it. Just listen to it. I okay. All right. Fine. I, I won't <laughs> argue with that. But let's say that sabotage is too strong a word. If all you're talking about is voting green, it's it. You know that if you stay home or vote green, it's pretty likely to do the same thing. But the only thing is better is your conscience. Your conscience said, well, at least I didn't vote for corporate soccer sock puppet, and at least I exercised my right to vote. But but if you know things go the way they did last time, and Jill got less than a one percent or something, it's it's a protest vote. So let's say that staying home or voting green is not sabotage; it's just voting your conscience. I, because if you say we're going to go out and actively sabotage your candidate. That's just what Hillary would say. She would say, oh, well, you you hurt me. You hurt me. You didn't come out and endorse me soon enough. No, we went to 37 whatever counties it was or whatever, 37 um, speeches, stump speeches for you. We, I, I shouldn't say we, because I sure as hell wouldn't have done that. But I don't, sabotage is the right way to say it. I think it's voting your conscience. And Bernie or Bust can't vote in good conscience for Biden or Warren or Buttigieg. But they they don't have to sabotage anything. They just can't vote for somebody that that they know is evil, lesser evil notwithstanding. And so that's not the same way. And the way you put it, I would almost agree with you that that maybe we shouldn't be doing it that way. But all we have to do is sound like grownups and be firm in our resolve that no matter who, we're not voting for a corporatist at all. Sure. And and then it doesn't sound quite as bad as the way you said it, or the or maybe the way Victor said it. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, all right. Great. Uh, that, I think that was maybe a point that we were sort of going with two ships passing the night on that. Um, but, you know, I, I think you said something earlier about how, and you're, you're absolutely right that yes, at, at the end of the day, these, these, these wine track sort of, you know, pussy hat wearing, you know, <laughs> mainstream Democrat voters, they're as childish as it gets, right? I mean, they are sort of, you know, just, you know, I mean, the, the, the whole thing where you said earlier, where they're going to be the ones, you know, pounding, you know, on their, on their high chairs, you know, um, if they make the same mistake, Again, we could very accurately say, look, you know, um, to put it in terms they might understand, you were warned, you were given an explanation, and nevertheless, you persisted, right? And you did the same thing again, and you lost again, and we could call them children, we could say that, but again, we don't have the sort of um, institutional support behind our opinions that they have, so they may not believe us, but even if they do believe us, we don't want to be like them in the sense that I don't really take that much pleasure in being right. I want to win and I want to win the primary. Right. And if I have to if I have to finesse these people a little bit to get them to consider voting for Bernie in a primary, especially in a caucus state, like I was making phone calls into Iowa. Right. And, um, you know, I, I, I got a, a you know a few people who said that, you know, the you know, their first choice was, you know, Buttigieg and, you know, Buttigieg ended up doing well because Biden did so badly. A lot of Buttigieg supporters, a lot of Biden voters switched to Buttigieg on the second round. But I'm thinking like, okay, I asked this person, oh, would you consider Bernie on a second choice? Now, if they say yes, my follow-up is not that Pete Buttigieg is, you know, a psychotic, sociopathic, lying piece of shit. My, you know, because that, <laughs> there goes that vote, right? And I want to win these votes. Now, once we start winning these votes, once we start establishing this momentum, and once it becomes clear that the nomination can only be taken from Bernie through these shady sort of means, like what's going on in Iowa, then we absolutely say, yes, we are Bernie or bust. And I consider myself, like you said, Victor is stricter. And I'm, part of the basis of this conversation is the interview that I did with him five months ago. He would not be satisfied with me saying that, yeah, I'm not voting for the Democratic nominee unless it's Bernie Sanders. But that is my position right now. And it is my position that that uh, was always probably going to be my position. But the fact that this Iowa thing happened and people can, you know, check out my episode on that. I don't know if you'll put a link or a plug or something. <laughs> uh, but yes, that is absolutely a line that cannot be crossed. That is, and I said this in that episode, 
that what they did here is almost as bad as a superdelegate coup at the convention. In fact, in a way, it's worse because at least the superdelegate coup is out in the open. It's for all to see. Right. They're going to switch the votes in plain sight right before our eyes, as opposed to this bullshit where, oh, the app was broken. So we have to delay the results. And even though Bernie's numbers say that he's winning, we're going to selectively pick precincts right. that show that Pete Buttigieg is in a narrow lead. Uh, Glenn Greenwald retweeted somebody. And, you know, I think he's one of the best journalists on earth, right? I mean, he, he, I mean, I can't think of a better journalist than, than him. So, you know, I, I take his word for these things. But there was somebody who he retweeted that said that the, the Iowa State Democratic Party has numbers from all 177 precincts in Polk County, which is where Des Moines is, which is going to be the big basket of Bernie votes. They have all those numbers. And they only reported out 95 of those 177 precincts. Why? Because if they reported all of them, they would probably shit all over Buttigieg's narrative that he's winning. Right. And so this is rigging, plain and simple. Yes. And we're not going to tolerate it. So I am, yes, absolutely 100% for your bus. Yeah, yes. I'm so okay. that I'm there. Good. But that doesn't mean that when I get a Buttigieg supporter on the phone and I'm canvassing and I'm trying to get them to do what I want them to do, that I'm going to rip them a new asshole. You know, no, <laughs> that's not the, the right tactic, in my opinion. Uh, but if they push us too far, I mean, look, any I mean, any other shit between now and Super Tuesday, and we're just going to have to basically make this a hostage situation. Right. I mean, because if you show that? if you show this or, or, or broadcast this, our website is Bernie or bus 2020.us if they want to sign a pledge. And it isn't that big of a deal. Most of all, they just have to be willing to say it out loud the way you did. I'm not voting for anybody but Bernie, period. Just say it. And and you don't have to do it. I, mean, I think Victor would be happy with what you just said, because you, he would say, even if he's strict, he would say that you are Bernie or bust if you say that you're not going to vote for a Biden or Buttigieg or Warren. And it's not going to be anyone else. And, and well, Victor's probably, a big guy. I want to make him happy for sure. I want him to be yeah, happy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, right. he, um, that would be fine. Yeah, you don't have to actively sabotage anything as long as you don't vote for one of those three and you say so in advance. Now, that's the only problem. If you if you aren't willing to say it until it's too late, then there's not much point. No, yeah, I said it this morning. I said it again right now. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So, Good. All right. Good. All right. <laughs> that Should was the Sorry? Should we end there? Yeah, you want to end there? It's good. That's all I wanted. And if you want to tell people on your on your podcast, that that's great. And and I don't want to piss you off either. You know, I I want your goodwill. But but I still think earlier is better. And because I think we all should have anticipated the fuckery. I think we all should have seen it coming, and we should have preemptively said Bernie or bust back in July of this of 2019. We should have said no. We know, we know, we're not stupid, we're not naive. We know it's coming. We should all say Bernie or bust now. But he ha- people have to get pissed first, and then the pledges come in roaring. But they have to see some real honest to goodness fuckery first before they're willing to do it. Yeah, and I think you know Bernie or bust is is a proactive alternative to like despair. I mean, so many people on Monday night were just so destroyed by the end of the night. They said, you know, there's no point in this. We can't win. There's a, a great um, writer who I've had as, as a guest on my show. I won't say who he is because it's a private text back and forth. But um, he was giddy with excitement early in the day. He says, is this actually going to happen? I can't believe it. We're actually going to do it. By the end of the night, he was saying, there's just no point to this. Like, I have to check out of this because... I mean, who would have seen this coming? Like, you know, he says they're always 10 steps ahead of us. Like, how, like we're, we're thinking, okay, maybe they'll manipulate the vote in some way, or maybe Bernie will win the popular vote, but not the delegate count, and they'll only report certain things and downplay other things or whatever. Nobody saw coming that they're going to say, oops, we don't have any numbers at all. Uh, <laughs> and we don't know when we're going to have them, you know? And, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, um, this is, like I said, it's a proactive alternative to just giving in and throwing your hands up. And so I, I think that that is, I think that's the the way to go. 
Good. Okay. We, that, that's a good place. If you're a Tolkien fan, wh what I would say to back up what you just said is that you don't want to be like Denethor of Gondor and lose your hope. You got to be like Aragorn. You have to go in there. You have to believe that it's possible, even against everything that they're throwing at us, because it looks impossible. Really, the machinery of the oligarchs looks so imposing. But but I think we we just can't give up. We have to keep well, hope look, and fighting, no matter what they do. Absolutely. And look, the the every reaction sparks an equal and opposite reaction. The fact that they're going to these lengths is because we're winning, right? Is because we right. have momentum. They wouldn't be doing this if we were a bunch of fringe lunatics marching with signs somewhere on the street where nobody could see us, right? They would just ignore us. That's what they've done for decades, right? They haven't had to do this shit as overtly and, you know, as outrageously out in the open as they are now. And the reason they're doing that now is because we are building momentum. And I do want to say one thing. You are nowhere near my bad side ever. In fact, I do want to thank you so much for featuring our writings on this show. Um, I, I texted Russell when I came upon the episode that you did where you read his whole article and it, it, it made his night. So you guys have been awesome to us. So you, we're nowhere near on bad terms. We, we were never that way. Uh, but I just thought, you know, it would be a good opportunity to talk this out because um, I think we have a lot in common. And I also think there were some areas that we needed to sort of clarify. Right. Good. I feel the same. And Russell, tell Russell, I think he's a great writer and you're a great writer. I really, and I like the little fife sounds, the drum sounds at the beginning of your podcast. Oh, yeah. yeah. Definitely a fan, if not a stan. Definitely. All right. Well, there we go. All right. I don't know we had any stands, but anyway, uh, you're our show anytime, obviously. Great. Great. Yeah, that's a great place to leave it then. And we'll keep in touch. And if we think of anything else to harangue about, <laughs> together thinking of the same thing, and we can just get our get our word out. But but I really, we really, Victor will really appreciate the the public burning your bust um, admonition. Or I I think it was an admonition. I think you're urging other people to do it as long as they're not alienating people who might vote for Bernie in the primaries. And I heard right, what right you now said. we got to get votes in the primary. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. And and so I think I think everybody's happy with with how how it went. I, I, I'm picturing the, the board of of revolt against plutocracy and, and the discussions we have behind the scenes. And I think everybody would be delighted to hear what what you just said. All righty. Well, we'll leave it there. I don't want to get myself in any more trouble. <laughs> Good. All right. Me too. All right, man. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Get on board the Bernier bus train. Come get on board the Bernier bus train. Once you hear that clickety clack, there ain't no time for turning back. Oh, get on board the Bernier bus train. The preceding episode can be viewed on the YouTube channel. Bernie or Bust Television.